everybody, and welcome to the Medivac Podcast. My name is Christian Myers. I'm your host for today, joined by my co-host, David Reed. What's up, guys? Uh, before we start the show, just a quick reminder, there's a price to listen. You have to share the episode if you get something good. And it's your it. soul. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit less than a soul. But uh, if you get something out of today's episode, please share it with a friend or family member, or just blast it out on social, interact with the video somehow, leave a comment or a like. Thank you very much. It's greatly Absolutely. appreciated. What about our guest today? Andrew Powers. Welcome. Oh. Not is Austin your middle Powers. name Danger Powers? It, it, is. it is not. <laughs> it is not. It's Malachi. <laughs> not Malachi. Did you say Malachi? Malachi? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Why are you winking at <laughs> We'll get into that shortly. Yeah. Well, Andrew uh, spent a little time in the U.S. Army. I got injured overseas, uh, lost his left eye, result of conflict. I combat. haven't found it yet. Haven't found it yet. Yeah. I've been looking. Yeah. Lost it. <laughs> and now a he's slight a, accident. Uh, yeah, yeah, a slight accident. Now he's a home loan officer mm-hmm. specializing in VA loans. So we're going to talk about uh, a little bit of uh, VA loan stuff today. But Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. No, thank you for having me. Yeah, I think Welcome. we're going to have a very interesting episode today where I think it's going to be more informative about like how to navigate the waters of VA loans and mm-hmm. uh, some other cool stuff. But we Stay want to tuned. talk about your injury too, because it's a pretty unique injury. It's something we don't see very Absolutely. often. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Don't run with scissors. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Although it had nothing to do with my injury. Um, <laughs> it sucks, so take my word. Yeah, yeah. When they, when they say it's better than a sharp stick in the eye, I can attest to that. Yeah. Uh, well, so, so yeah, let's just dive right in now that we know how this, uh, the tune of the show right, is going right. to go uh, yes. from here. So you were in the Army. Correct. Yeah. And you joined in 2003. 03, yeah. Um, and why'd you, why'd you want to join the Army? Well, when, when I, it is something I'd always want to do. I mean, growing up, you know, playing, I mean, nobody plays, well, maybe they do, but I, <laughs> I played Army growing yeah, up, yeah. you know. Um, my dad was a Marine. My grandfather was in the Army Air Corps in World War II. Mm. Uh, my uncle was a Marine. Uh, and all the horror stories about the Marine Corps <laughs> uh, yeah, I decided against that. Made their way down to Ma- yeah, yeah, made their way down. Uh, but it was something I'd always wanted to do. For a select few. For, yeah. <laughs> the few, the proud. If you've, the few, if the you've proud. met my dad, <laughs> you'd know why I didn't want to join. Um, but he, um, you know, so it, it had always been part of the, the family history and, and something that I always felt compelled to do. But ha- having made some poor life choices early on, um, I was, was married and with a child at 17. Mm. Uh, so... It, it didn't be, you know, wasn't really a um, viable choice or it didn't seem so at the time back in 1998 or nine, whenever that was. Um, but when the, when the Twin Towers were hit, I, I was working in a, in a capacity as a, a, a telecom technician in a, in a high rise, if you could call it that, in <laughs> Oakland, California. Um, and so that just kind of struck me as, wow, it, it could have been here. It could have been anywhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and we did have technicians at that company that were in the towers that thankfully all got out. Yeah. Um, but that just, you know, he just kind of hits you at home. You know, the, 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 the motivation to join just kind of hit me at that point. Now that was 2001. Mm. I didn't actually get until 03 because I had left high school in oh, my junior yeah. Golly, was it my beginning of my junior year? So you had to go back. I had to go back because I said, hey, hey, how do I go be high speed? I want to yeah. do, I didn't know what a Ranger was. I, I knew what Special Forces was because everybody's seen the Green Beret, you know, uh, yeah. movies, you know, and everything. And yeah. I said, what, what do I got to be with those guys? Because I am not going to get caught up like um, 
so many did in, in the Iraq invasion, not knowing what they were doing to get beyond the lines. And mm-hmm. we have the whole rescue situation. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. I said, I'm not going to be one of those guys uh, or gals for that reason, or for that matter. And they said, well, if you want to, you know, you want to play with the big boys, you got to get your high school diploma and you got to mm-hmm. join before your 29th birthday or something along those lines. Yeah. I forget what it was. One at of the time. silly rules. And I said, well, so I don't have that and I don't have much time. Well, I got about a year left. So what do we do? And you were an old man. I was an old 28 <laughs> at the time. Oh, was that's far beyond my right. prime. Um, <laughs> so, so they, the recruiters set me up with a local adult school in Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. And the guys at work would cover for me. I'd take the company van. Don't tell anybody. Uh, and I <laughs> would drive down on, uh, about you know noon every day and take a couple hours worth of classes to get my diploma. Okay. Uh, or get the credits I needed because I didn't want a good enough degree. I wanted the actual legit. The actual one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and come October, November, I get a call from the recruiter. And I'm thinking I got till June till I graduate, right? Mm-hmm. And the recruiter says, "Hey, man, you you, you ready to go?" <laughs> Nah, bro. <laughs> I got a couple months. The way man. I see it, I'm not going anywhere till June. Yeah. Uh, no, man. Uh, your your basic training class starts next week. Oh, and yeah. so <laughs> I said, "Well, yeah, well, I don't have my diploma, so what are we going to do?" You know, I had depth in, I guess, to the, the the delayed entry program. Yeah. Uh, and he called down to the school, said, "Hey, how many credits does Powers need to graduate? Twenty five. How many has he got? Twenty five. Right on." Put me on a plane. I was at Fort Benning that Friday. It was like Wednesday. Oh, shit. And then Friday, I was in, on my way. Perfect. Yeah, I was at MEPS and everything. And they, they talked me out of doing the 18X, which was the, uh, the, the uh, special option at the time. Yeah, special you forces. wanted to go into, they talked you out of it. Of course the, 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 the guy at MEPS, I don't know, you know, some staff sergeant, I want to say, talked me out of it, given my age and everything. You're at the uh, perfect age. Yeah, you, yeah. well, I know 20, that now. Yeah, <laughs> 28 is like the ideal, ideal age to enter. So yeah, well, there was a physical part of it. You know, I wasn't you know terribly athletic, or I didn't feel that I was. Yeah. But in those those six months or so that I was getting ready, you know, doing the school thing, I was running around Lake Merritt mm. on my lunch breaks. It's a four mile run, and yeah. I was just busting it out every day at lunch, thinking that was you know, oh god, I'm taking forever, but yeah. it was a pretty good run for you know thirty minutes. You know? Yeah. So, um, so like, yeah. how long until it? Till you deployed after your, all your oh, training. Oh, gosh, yeah. And it, first of all, what was your, your MOS? I was 11 Bravo. Yeah. 11 Bravo. Uh, 11 Bravo with an airborne of contract. Of course they fucking convinced you to yeah. skip the cool guy shit. Well, they probably didn't have the slots available. Some, well, some well, we, had a couple, we had a couple 18Xs in, in my platoon, mm-hmm. uh, basic. Um, and the rest of them were all Army Ranger. I think there was maybe a handful of us that were just 11B. Okay. Everybody was Ranger or uh, 18. 18 mm-hmm. series. In that... in. Uh, About seven percent of those people made it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was yeah. The, so. That was uh, November. I went in, and then we went straight to airborne school afterwards. Um, when we the day we graduated airborne school, all of us had you know obviously had airborne in our contracts for yeah, the, yeah. the whole platoon, right? Like several like sixty of us, I want to say. Um, and after the graduation ceremony on the the field, you run back and you you line up in the gravel pits and. Sergeant Airborne starts running out the orders. And up to that point, I had orders to go to Vincenza. Ooh. I was 173rd. So I'm yeah. doing all the overseas uh, vaccinations and, and whatever training they had you go through. I don't remember all that. But um, they handed out orders. And me and everybody else that didn't either volunteer or already have Ranger got sent to 3rd ID. Oh, and so <laughs> yeah, that's a ripoff, man. Yeah, yeah. So, a, going from Vincenza to... 
to, yeah. to, to you, Fort Benning. You, you, you owe Hill. it to yourself to find that staff sergeant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kick his ass. I'm sure he's long gone. It was, <laughs> golly, seven, 16, 17 years ago. But yeah, so, so uh, just never left Fort Benning. Yeah. Um, and then we, uh, like I said, uh, went into EIB training. So it was just it was EIB, it was uh, JRTC, um, and then just motor pool for some ungodly amount of time. Yeah, and you were um, deployed in what, what year? Uh, early 05. So we left okay. in January. We stayed at Camp Buring for like a month yeah. in Kuwait. Froze our butts off in the middle of winter in Kuwait. Yeah. A um, couple guys got frostbite. Mm-hmm. Got left out at the range. Got to arrange transport to get <laughs> yeah. us back. Twelve hours at the range. Like, sorry, I forgot you were there. Sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. And then we crossed the berm, and, and our, our first mission was uh, uh, driving brand new eleven fourteens with the plastic still in the seats, mm. with the CVs, you know, the little headgears. Yeah, I've little, never seen them. Yeah. Those are cool, right? Fancy. Brand new. We we just we plastic still. Yeah, yeah <laughs> literally had the plastics on the seats, and uh, we we convoy. Did convoy security for a bunch of trucks that were delivering supplies through all the different fobs. And never having seen a map, I have no idea where we went, but we stopped at probably three or four different fobs over what seemed like a, a week. What region was this? Uh, we ended up in Bakuba. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but we came, we literally crossed the berm with all the supply trucks and, and uh, went from Kuwait and drove in and then stayed at, Fort, uh, at uh, Warhorse oh, okay. yeah. for six months. Mm-hmm. And your, your mission parameter at this time was what? Well, at that point was just, we were doing that convoy security, and then we were the QRF for the Warhorse. Okay, that's all we did. We just we did missions just about every week. There was an SF team in oh, Fob Gabe, I want to say, mm-hmm. and we would do missions with them like every week, and that was my favorite thing to do because nice. we yeah. go in in the middle of the night, cordon off a neighborhood, grab some bad dude, and be done. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. Yeah, and, were you, you were providing security for that. Yeah, providing that security, okay. but it, it did allow us to get familiar with. The, the neighborhood, you know, because yeah. we would do these missions at night with NVGs and you knew your way around everywhere. Yeah. So when, when we finally did have contact on one of our own wild goose chase missions, <laughs> we knew exactly where to go, how to get to our guys because uh, we'd done it over, you know, in the pitch black. So you did get to do a little bit of the cool guy shit, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that was in Bakuba. And then uh, th- again, six months, June, we got orders. We got taken off that assignment uh, as the QRF for Warhorse and we got sent to Ramadi. Mm-hmm. And in, in the eastern region, oh, Ramadi, yeah. good old Ramadi in 05, oh, you know, peak, yeah. peak of the fun stuff. Um, but we, we arrived there in June, and uh, when I finally got hit was August. But the, that it, it, the whole world changed. Like we we had contact once, maybe twice in Bakuba mm-hmm. for six months. I mean, we were just. Going to the gym, eating, yeah. and getting our stuff ready. Fat camp. Fat camp, yeah. you know. Yeah, fat camp. Gain, gain, gain a lot of weight. Good weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the gym twice a day, you're bound, you're bound to. Four you meals a day. Four, six, yeah. four to six hours in the gym yeah. every day. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then, of course, in, in Ramadi, there was, no, there was no chow hall. There was, you know, the, what do they call the, the, the plastic steamer bins? The, oh, the... Uh, mermites. 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 Yeah, mermites. The mermites. That, that yeah. was, that was uh, it. Um, thankfully, I got hit soon enough that I didn't have to stay there for the whole six months. Oh, thankfully. <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> Saved me from that. Um, but, so, uh, yeah. so walk us through the night of your injury. Yeah. So you, you've obviously, you're tried, true, and tested at this point. You've been out on a, on a few BPs and operated with SF and, and QRF support. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're getting familiar, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So what happened that? So um, the previously all all three uh, um, platoons in the company had been spread out, and they brought us all together when we came to uh, 
Ramadi, just Safiya. It was the, the eastern edge of Ramadi. And so we, we were providing Overwatch security uh, over Michigan, route Michigan. We had another traf- two traffic control points. Um, and then, you know, just basically just QRF, you know, anybody need us, we were there. Um, so we would rotate about every six or four hours between these three positions. And then when we weren't doing that, we'd go out and patrol uh, and look for bad guys. On the and same patrol routes? The, yeah, unfortunately, it turns out, I think the, it wasn't maybe necessarily my platoon, but the, the patrol ingress, egress point had been used multiple times. Mm-hmm. And this was maybe the second or third time, from what I understand. I, I, it's all secondhand knowledge at this point because yeah. people told yeah. me what happened. Um, but we, we had been tasked with um, doing a search of a particular strip of land uh, between like this little downtown Mechanicsville area and the river. Um, I don't know if it was Tigris or Fred. I don't know. You had to pull up a map. I don't, I don't remember the name of the river. Um, but they, uh, this was August 3rd. Um, and we set up the uh, uh, convoy with, was basically you know, Humvee, Bradley, Humvee, Bradley. And so it was alternating. Okay. And we pull up to this intersection and they hand me a metal detector. First time I've ever seen one in my life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, get out. Here, get out, oh. figure it out. You know, so wee, wee, Fun. Down, <laughs> the yeah. dials is, you know, it's, it's screaming at every bottle cap and <laughs> yeah. paper clip. Oh and, my God, going know, off the entire Going time. off, you know, <laughs> and I got no idea what's going yeah. on and neither does the other guy who's got one, but we, oh. we, we basically split up. Into, yeah, how into, funny is that? <laughs> it's like, you're probably thinking like you're too terrified to speak up. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, I'd rather take the bomb than go to my chain of command and be like, there, what the fuck is going on? What here? is this? But that, I remember that fear of yeah. just being like super low enlisted and yeah. just like, okay, I'm just going to shut up and do what they say. But like yeah. at the same time. <laughs> well, and at this point I had, I had been mounted, uh, cause we we're Bradley's, you know, yeah. mechanized. So I, I had been, I had missed all the training up to the point where we deployed other than JRTC. So they had me as a driver. Oh, you so know? You had no dismounted <laughs> No dismount. Yeah. And, and, well, not until late, later on, but my, my platoon uh, sergeant was a, a ranger instructor mm. and he was like, get him off the driver's seat because <laughs> yeah. we got these dumb 18, 19-year-old kids who don't know their a-hole from their elbow. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, and, and I was very mechanically inclined. So I took it as a challenge. I wasn't, you know, it, it was less about the fear and more about, Cool, I get to figure this thing out. You know? sure, yeah. And if it doesn't work, oh, it doesn't work. You know, in the meantime, we're walking around in the in the countryside. It's a nice <laughs> yeah. little walk. Enjoying um, the sun. Enjoying the sun. And and so we, we split up in, in the, the two uh two sticks there, and, and we basically had this swath of land between uh homes, and in the middle was all like a um a floodplain where they would their, their whatever agricultural, like the grass, grape fields, yeah, fields of some kind. It was palm groves mostly on yeah. either side of us, yeah, yeah. And and so there was these berms running uh, east west, and homes on either side of them. And so you know where else to hide munitions than in freshly turned piles of earth? Yeah. So that's what we did. We went down this strip of land. It was maybe maybe a mile or two. wasn't even that far. Um, and with these metal detectors, and first thing that comes to mind is all right, well. If I'm hiding something and I'm going to hide it in plain sight, it's probably going to be, you know, in in freshly turned dirt or or open space where you can tell something's happened. Yeah, yeah. And and there was a foundation for a home that mm. had been all leveled out and no construction, oddly, right? Sure. No materials, just this 
big level pad about three feet high. And this was happened to be on the north side of, of this, this track. And the other stick just, they just were running. Like they didn't know what they were doing anyway. They're like, let's get this over with. <laughs> and so they're hopping and bounding over all these berms and, and going down the left side. And I'm, again, intrigued. Is, is there contact at this point? No, 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 no. Leave it to the <laughs> just just regular around. infantry to be bounding through a field with no fire. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> well, you know, so I find, I, you know, my whole team is like literally 20 yards in front of me and I'm figuring this thing out and I'm finally getting the knack for the, the dials and everything. And lo and behold, I find a 155 shell with dirt, dis, dust just kicked over it in that foundation. Mm. I'm like... Duh. Jackpot. Jackpot. Yeah. First minute, I find a 155 shell. Um, I'm like, hey guys, come on back. And here I'm PFC, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey, hey Sarge, you, guys, you might want to look at yeah. this. You assholes missed this. You, you all <laughs> missed this, right? And as I'm looking, I'm seeing them bound over this these other berms. I yeah. notice they go over a berm. It's got no ends on it. Hmm. So the berms were set up as a floodplain. Yeah. So they would there was a, 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 a culvert that they would pump water out and flood these area. So they had berms yeah. on all sides. Okay. Why would you have berm in the middle? Yeah, it wouldn't make sense. It didn't connect anywhere. It was, yeah, it was you know, no... yards away from everything. Yeah, so it and stuck they, out. It you. stuck out. Yeah. They just yeah. jumped right over it, kept on going. <laughs> and I said, hey guys, let's shift over. I want to go check that out. And we ended up spending the next four hours digging out the biggest cache that we found that, that whole deployment. Oh, That's nice. incredible. Yeah. And uh, uh, there was... Good find then. There was jugs and jugs, and, uh, like these, uh, their equivalent of like a f- two or four liter soda bottle mm-hmm. full of 7.62 rounds, full of... Uh, Whatever the the explosives they take out of the shells, the, yeah. these little crystal looking deals, they look black, uh, look like black powder. But it was oh. they were crystallizing some little like tube shape. I don't know what they were. Yeah, uh, two Russian anti tank mines, uh, six RPGs, damn, uh, just the, the launchers. Yeah, uh, an old Enfield rifle. <laughs> really? And everything was wrapped in you know, and these you know these terrorist guys. They're not the smartest. Yeah, it's just gonna like the wood rot and like they were wrapped in plastic. Yeah, yeah. plastic burlap. Yeah, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Not, not exactly water tight. Yeah, um, so but, it's all rusted. But it was, but yeah, shit. but the yeah. berm was. You could tell it, it hadn't been there very long. Um, and then there was a like a fifty-five gallon plastic drum, empty, but underneath it was the two uh, Russian anti-tank mines. There was a couple mm-hmm. uh, surface-to-surface rockets. They were like oh. four feet long with the, the different stages attached to them. Yeah, um, and a sixty-round box of like old rifle grenades. Mm-hmm. Rifle grenades? Yeah, like weird. They didn't look like <laughs> yeah, mortars. That's funny. Russian. Yeah. yeah, the ones you put on the exactly. Yeah, the yeah. And some of them the had the big, you know, warheads on them, yeah. and other ones just looked like road flares with wings on them. Yeah, those know? things are weird. Yeah, and piles and piles of wire and smoke pots and all this stuff. And it, you know, it's yeah. just funny to me too. Is like you know, to bury this above ground, right? <laughs> <laughs> now the logic in this, the you know, behavior is. Not a whole lot there. They are crafty, though. I mean, they come up with some pretty, yeah. pretty well, they got the inventive first, shit. The first part crafty. of the platoon they jumped are. right over it. So, obviously, it worked yeah, 50% we're, of the we're, time. We're the 18-year-old <laughs> private who's yeah. like, I don't want to run. Yeah, you know what yeah. I, mean? I don't want to like, be here all day. Uh, yeah. We ended up being there for those those uh, solid four hours. And there was no EOD in sight. They were not available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we hand-dug it out with e-tools and pulled security you know, in shifts and then just loaded it in the back of uh, one of these old open-back Unarmored Humvees, and hauled it off. And just took it, ba- took it back with you. Took it back, and and then we all, of course, you know, got our gear back on and walked back to where all of the little convoy had been sitting for four hours, getting let's say less than less than patient with us. Okay. Um, and as I approached the, the the trailing element, which was a Bradley, 
um, Sergeant Seha was in the turret and he was looking over the town and it was an open field to the left with a little farmhouse kind of off a couple hundred yards out. Okay. Uh, and a palm grove beyond that. So it was kind of eerie, right? Like if anything is going to happen, it could come from sniper in town. It could come from that wood line. Yeah. You know. Either direction. Either direction. So my whole platoon was stacked up on the right side of the Bradley and all, you know, we're all high-fiving and congratulating it because we're done, right? Yeah. We just finished the big find. I said, man, I, I just see one round or a burst, and there's the whole team's down. So I went around the left side of the Bradley. Oh, so you guys are taking contact? Not yet. Or, I just, oh, I'm just, anticipating oh, this. Oh, okay. ID oh. goes off. It, well, as I look down on the side of the road, I'm seeing holes dug in the road. Okay. Yeah. In the roadside, in the, in, the, in the dirt. And we're up like a farm road. It's elevated, and there's gravel and whatnot, and then it goes down into the... Into the Tilled dirt, earth. Uh, earth. I said, and I just thought to myself, I'm looking in this hole. I said, man, it would suck if there was an ID under all that trash. And it looks like somebody daisy chained these holes. And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. We had the, we had the bomb dog on it. Yeah, it didn't, didn't alert. You're good. Mm. Soon as I breathe, been the, sitting there for four, four hours, hours and it hasn't is, gone off. Yeah, this canine knows should know better. Than you that. should know better. Um, but as soon as I got to the the front of the Bradley and the team was on the right side of the Bradley, I was on the left. I, I hear Sergeant Coleman uh, say, hey, where's Powers? And I immediately turn my head as, as we both breached the front and I saw him. I go, I'm, I'm about to say I'm right here. And the IED in front of me went off. Oh, and shit. so it uh, popped my Mitch helmet off my head, just severed the straps with the blast, not even the shrapnel, just wow. shot it off like a, uh, a parachute. Uh, my 203 on my uh, A4 got ballooned open, my mm. ACOG got destroyed, my front sight uh, post mm. got bent over. Damn. Um, and this is just overpressure. Yeah. Uh, how far away from? Probably 10, 15 feet. Okay. Give or take. I mean, the, the hole that I was standing next to was not the IED. It, it was the hole. In, next one? Yeah, so, they hadn't gotten to that one yet. So basically what you're saying is your ballistic equipment was destroyed, but your human body was essentially... <laughs> Virtually Un- untouched, except my weak eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> my other one was fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, had I not turned my head, I, I, I probably would be fully blind right now. Yeah. Mm. Um, Eye pro on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the whole nine Good. yards. Yeah. Wow. And then so, penetrated through. Well, the, yeah, the angle, when I, again, when I turned my head, it came up it. through the side. Yeah. And oh. um, when, I, when I, they finally did come get me, um, you know, the first thing they say is, hey, man, can you walk? I don't know. I'm, I'm sitting there on the ground, wiggling toes and fingers, thinking, "Am I a pile of mush right now?" Is yeah. This, and your is face, this how it what's, is? What's going on? Like, are you bleeding? Like, are sure. you just bell I guess. Run? <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, I couldn't see, obviously. Right. Right. Well, it was uh, when I hit the ground. Um, there was that moment where, it, just like in the movies, you know, the ringing of the ears, the dust, and just silence. And I, I literally like wiggled my toes. Okay, I think both my legs are there. I'm not feeling any pain. But it did, there was this overwhelming feeling of, of heat. Mm-hmm. And just like I just got whacked in the face with the hottest baseball bat imaginable. Um, and so laying on my side, I'm thinking, oh, the rounds are going to start coming in any second, yeah. right? And I don't know if I should move. And they're not going to shoot the dead guy, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, when, uh, when Foley and, and Cugino came over and, and grabbed me by the back of my, my bike carrier... I, they said, hey, can you walk? I don't know. And they picked me up and we started running down the other side of the road into the town mm. um, because they, again, as soon as I opened my eye, they said, hey, there they go. And they started pointing over me into the field. 
Oh, okay. And we, we think they were, were probably triggered uh, and lined us up with, with something on the side of the road, a tree or something. Yeah. And they, they probably had a wire going to it because there was no way for it to get to the other side of the road necessarily really mm-hmm. easily. Um, so they just started unloading on that house. I mean, the 25 mic mic was going off over my head. So if, <laughs> so, if I have trouble hearing, I attribute it to that. Yeah, and the um, house was probably leveled at that point. That house was gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, from what I understand, uh, the two-story house was no more. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Rightly they, so. Yeah. They, you know, did their checks and everything and threw me in the back of an open-back unarmored Humvee and yeah. just started hauling ass to combat outpost. Um, and and uh, Doc James, you know, I said, hey, Doc, my... um. I feel like, I think my teeth are in my mouth. I, can you check? And he started fishing around in there and he pulled out a handful of rocks. Yeah. So they oh, had shit. penetrated through my jaw, broke my jaw, broke my nose, blew my eardrum through. A uh, four millimeter piece of rock ended up bouncing around inside my cornea and my, my retina, tore the retina all to pieces. Wow. Jesus. Um, but other than that, Damn. I was in pretty good shape. I got like a nickel size <laughs> hole in my shoulder and that was about it. Yeah, that's all. That's all. That's, that's all. So it blew, it blew a chunk of rocks into your mouth through your cheek? Yeah. yeah. Jesus. So it wasn't, my teeth are fine. I thought yeah. I, thought I had like, a mouthful of teeth and my and I, I was sure like, I, you know, I'm mush. Yeah. Um, I should keep these in here for yeah. now. Always, <laughs> it, it always looks a lot worse than it is until they clean it up and do the surgery and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, I mean, so how is the adjustment for you as far as you know, not being able to see. Like, yeah. obviously, you have two eyes, but your depth perception's off. Like, you, oh, know, yeah, the, it, you can't trust the whole what's going world on the shifted left to one side. side. Like, yeah. literally shifted to one side. And I'm, you know, you're walking around, and you're, you're, you're running into stuff with your shoulder because you don't realize where you have are. that removed. You're offset. <laughs> yeah. Edges. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if I ever have one of those houses built, and and no left turns. And you're yeah. hearing, too. No, yeah, I need an adaptive home with no left turns. <laughs> Zoolander house. Yeah. <laughs> so, and your, he- your left side yeah. hearing is, what, what percentage do you think that would be? So, actually, after all the hearing tests, I, they won't even give me a hearing loss rating. After my, yeah, they, Really? I had a, oh. what they call a tympanoplasty, where they, oh, yeah. they so remove like your 60%. ear. That's good to yeah. hear. <laughs> so I have, yeah, my, my hearing, my reduction in hearing is not rateable. It's not service connected at this That's point. That's because their rating surprising is atrocious. Their yeah. rating system yeah. for hearing is, they assume that you're going to lose hearing in the service, right, right? right? So like the range for normal is just, it's ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and you know that was that was the least of my worries because when they when they did take the cartilage and rebuild the eardrum, it went from sounding like a wind tunnel, like literally I could feel the wind in places of my head that you couldn't feel wind. <laughs> you shouldn't oh, you feel, wind. feel wind. That's um, weird. And and so <laughs> yeah. who left yeah. the door? Yeah. It's so yeah. cold in my ear, yeah. in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brain freeze. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, the, you know, and that was part of the recovery was basically scheduling surgeries. One after the other after the mm-hmm. other to, to address these problems. I had like a one inch gash up the back of my head from the uh, Mitch helmet oh, scalping slide. me on its way up. Yeah, uh, and so they would you know go in every couple of weeks, cut a section out, bring it a little closer together, cut a section out. Bring. Same thing with the holes in my face. A lot of them got sewn up that way or lasered. Okay, uh, to to clear them up. Uh, my nose was all blown apart, so that. Hadn't quite worked out as well as they hoped. I think can't breathe through it most of the time. Okay, but, I was gonna say. I mean, your nose and the scar on your cheek are not very yeah, prominent. Like, no, not not at all. It didn't look that way. I got I got a chance to see some of the photos because you know they do all the like you know I don't know the medical team takes photos of yeah. you and and I got into my medical record at one point for something I was doing. I forget what and <laughs> boy howdy was I just like drooping all down the side. Oh, it was nasty. Yeah, I bet. yeah. What's what's a common question you get asked a lot? Oh, how do you drive? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, beyond that, it's, the, you know, the, the, some people kind of catch on to the whole depth You drive perception. like this? 
Uh, yeah, well, yeah, for real. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you kind of have to, you know, because yeah. your peripheral is now cut in half. Yeah. So you create a new one by adjusting your, your line of sight. Line of sight. Are um, you right eye dominant? Thankfully, yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I still qualify. What's what's just shy of expert? I was like one point shy of expert qualifying with one eye. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's pretty solid. So I, was pretty, I was like, yeah, that's so bad. That's yeah. so bad for uh, one you eye. You don't have to it, like, you know, the stress of holding your other eye closed. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> there you go. If, if you're... If you close one one eye, your dominant eye, you can watch your vision shift over. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I can imagine that would totally throw off your, like, you'd well, be off for months trying to relearn how to walk yeah. and everything because you would feel like you're too Well, I still over. run into shit every day. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you, you know, know, the good thing is in a couple months, you would shift over. To yeah. 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 No, and, and uh, the, you know, people ask me, well, how did you adjust? I said, well, you know, at, at my age, you've already kind of built up a database of what things are in your head and mm-hmm. how far, you know, how big they are at a given distance and whatnot. So it wasn't so hard. Um, I've had people ask me, you know, hey, can you talk to my nephew or niece? She lost their, they lost their eye. They're mm-hmm. eight years old, oh, you yeah. know, and I'm like, bro, I don't, I don't know how to tell them because I know what I'm looking at. They don't know what the heck that's going on. Yeah. They don't yeah. haven't had time to figure that out. And they're just, they're probably never going to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll still knock things over now and then and, uh, Driving is is no problem. I I love to drive. So yeah, yeah, driving yeah. that Subi around, huh? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Man, that that's insane. So, how long did it take for you to recover completely? Uh, eighteen months up to the point where I got injured. Eighteen months till I was medically retired. So just shy of three years altogether. Yeah, but half of that mm. was at Brook Army Medical Center, going through you know the various surgeries, and and it got to the point where. The, the doctor that was in charge of my case file, who was the ophthalmologist, op, I don't know what, the eye doctor guy. Yeah, ophthalmologist? ophthalmologist? Sure. Yeah. He, uh, he said, hey, you know, I'm going to recommend medical retirement. You should probably know that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just know, saying. Maybe. <laughs> Never saw him again after that, that recommendation, but they, they recommended, you know, medical retirement. And at that point, I was like, well... You know, I could stay in, but am I a liability at this point? You know, yeah, do you yeah. want the guy breaching rooms that can't see the left? Yeah. You know, hey guys, yeah. you take that side. I'll go over here and, and I, hopefully I, I see everything. And you laugh about it, but I totally get that. I yeah. totally feel like you felt like you couldn't give it your all. Yeah. So why stay and take the risk? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and at that point, it's not about me. It's about the people agreed. that you're working yeah, with. Agreed. And and that's, that's not fair to them just because I want to be a tough guy. Yeah, you know, it's a very real decision yeah. you have to make. Yeah, and yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, fifty percent of your vision is impaired. Yeah. Like that is a huge risk. That and everything in combat is a risk, yeah. right? And adding to that, so like that—that that is an admirable decision. It hurts, but yeah. it's admirable. Yeah, looking back, I, I really regret having made that decision, and there was some mm-hmm. other influencing factors at the time. Huh. Um, However, I think it was the right decision because it, it yeah. put me where I am now. It put me through a process and put me in front of people um, and, and, a, and just really made life what it is today yeah. would, not, would not be what it is had I stayed and, in. Yeah, I could sure. play the That's what fair. if game yeah. all the time. And there's right? no point could, to that. Yeah. There's no point to that. I mean, yeah. what if you had went back to serve and you went on deployment number two 18 months later, lost yeah. your other eye? Like, yeah. you could yeah. play this game all day long. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. You made the right decision that you think, you know, looking in a mirror in 20 years, you could be like, I might have saved the life of other people by backing out and recognizing yeah. that I was not ready yeah. at that moment. Yeah, definitely. And, and that being said, 2005 to 2020, you've had years to recover. You know what I mean? So, like, the difference there 
is like I'm a, a like nowadays I feel like I could serve at my capacity with my injury. Right, right. Back then in 2012, 13, when I was fully recovered, if you will, I didn't feel like I could. I right. was ready for that at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but but recovery takes 10 years. It takes 12 years. It takes a substantial amount of time before you could gain that confidence. Yeah, absolutely. No, it um you know, hindsight is 2020, 20, right? And and looking back all the what ifs come into play, but but again, what am I? What capacity am I serving in now? And am I helping more people now than I would have? And I just yes. been in a, you know a grunt for the rest of my. So you got existence. out and decided well, to a, do what? That's a question yeah. for you to so, answer. <laughs> so I, I, it was less of a decision and more of like, oh my gosh, I need a job. Yeah. <laughs> what am I? Gonna, I'm out of money. <laughs> I, I have no money. Uh, you know, and the retirement process at the time they don't do VA at the same time. Oh, it yeah. was okay. Here's your army rating or your military rating. Thank you. Please don't come back. You know? <laughs> yeah, see you later. Um, see you later and go to the VA and get your stuff dealt with then. So it's a six, nine month process mm. in some cases. Um, so it was like, all right, well, yeah, medical retirement. Okay, cool. Uh, what was your rank for the last uh, average of the last two years? E2. Oh, that's an awesome <laughs> retirement. Yeah. You know, pretty solid. Pretty solid yeah. 900 bucks a month, right? With Hard a to live on. $1,500 mortgage, you know, yeah. cool beans, right? So, um, you know, certainly just. Went and used the GI Bill, you know, um, was going to school, trying to get whatever I could, you know. Um, but uh, before I, this, and I was doing that while active duty. That was one of the things that they did let okay. us do was, you know, take off during the day and go to classes and whatnot, try to, you know, kind of reintegrate before we separated. But mine was so abrupt. It was like, all right, we're done. Out. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, not um, a lot. So at, at one point before that decision, I had, uh, they had a, a Wounded Warrior hiring event at the uh, NCO club at Fort Sam. And everybody goes in full uniform, you know, you're, you you do your best resume that you, you know, you think you know what you're doing. Yeah. And I handed one in to, uh, can we say names, can we name names here? Yeah, as yeah. long as it's not OPSEC. And right, no, no, uh, yeah. USA. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They had a table oh, yeah. oh, along yeah. with everybody else, you know, all the all the, the local employers and uh, handed over a resume and got a call that night. Very cool. Uh, so I was like, sweet, you know, Gotta I'm going to have a job yeah. before I get out and... Apparently, their background investigation is rather thorough. Mm. And um, they had turned up some information that wasn't wrong. It just wasn't fully correct. Mm-hmm. And rather than address it all at the front end, they would address it after months and months of research. And then they'd call me. They'd get an explanation. go, oh, okay, well, we'll call you back. And then months and months would go by. Yeah. And they'd have another question. Six months later, I'm, you know, I'm basically broke. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and you're like, just give me a decision. Just let yeah. me know, yeah. man. And then they say, hey, well, long. by the way, we finally got your background investigation cleared. You know, it was just a bunch of misunderstandings. However, the job you applied for no longer exists. Um, <laughs> uh, how would you. you like to become a, a insurance producer, basically doing homeowners, auto, uh, valuable personal property? I was like, sure, why not? I need a job. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I, I can attribute a lot of my success as far as recovery um, because my vocabulary, just like that TBI, I couldn't remember phrases. I couldn't remember mm. words. Um, but having to be on the phones talking to other veterans and their families for the better part of four years really helped build that back up. And I can imagine, it, it yeah. forced me to get off of the sleeping meds. It forced me to get off the all the other myriad of stuff that they that they want to give you. You can find therapy in anything, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just, it just goes to show you that your perspective has to be in the right place. Your mindset yeah. has to be in that positive 
space. Yeah. No, I mean, for sure. It's incredible to see the therapy in that. Yeah, just just being And like, you know what? That would kill people. Like yeah. the average civilian to sit down in a cubicle and like eight hours a day, right? <laughs> you know, mundane, redundant tasks over and over again. But you could see the positive in that and be like, help me overcome my TBI. Yeah. That's that's incredible. Yeah. That just shows you like the the veteran military perspective. Yeah, get it done, right? Like, yeah. you know, what get it a, done. It, it, you know, you, you've got to have that that drive. You've got to understand your responsibilities, you know, and don't lay that on your experience or what happened to you. Um, when, when you start falling back on, oh, woe is me, well, then everything's everybody else's fault, right? You got to you got to step up and take responsibility. And yeah. and I was not willing to accept whatever the VA was gonna, you know, their their little number that they assigned to me, what you know, dollar figure or whatever. Um, oh well, lost an eye. What, what you got next? Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, so that was two years of doing that and and excelled at it. And you know, certainly had some very very good leadership that I was privileged to to work with. It took care of me, and I basically doubled my salary within two and a half years. Nice. And got an opportunity uh, halfway through the process to go down to uh, the brokerage hmm. and answer questions about taxes on investments, which I knew nothing about. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, hey, man, you want to, you know, you do pretty good with this. Do you want to come down and get your brokerage license? Sure. How do you do that? Well, yeah. we, we got this program, eight weeks or whatever. You get your, you know, we'll study for your Series 7, your 63, your... 66, 65, whichever. And uh, yeah, so I did that and got my, got my Series 7, my 63 and 65 because I failed the 66. <laughs> and it was all go, no go. So okay. if, you, if you pass one, all right, you go on to the next, you fail that one. All right, well, brother, you failed these. Now you got to do the two. You, if you oh, fail the single, over. you got to do the two. Um, so the 63 and the five actually allowed me to work on accounts that nobody else could work on. Mm-hmm. Is it more complex? Or yeah, or yeah, yeah uh, managed accounts, okay. over 50,000. Yeah. And that sort of thing. So, and that was easy. That was like, all I had to do was pass. This is way easier than yeah. doing the other stuff. Cool. Yeah. So it worked out. Um, and then uh, that was, you know, four years in, you know, I'm learning everything about homeowners insurance, investing, money, you know, uh, just all umbrella policy, all these different things that nah, no clue, you know, yeah. Yeah. very, very limited knowledge of as most of us would, right? I mean, where, at what point does the average human being dabble in this stuff? In banking. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, in finance yeah. or get the opportunity to do so when they're barely out of high school, you know, Not 11 Bravo grunt. What, what, what? Yeah. What <laughs> doesn't even, happen? I think it has to do with your, your perspective and your outlook too. You seem to be kind of a yes man where you're, Opportunity presents itself, you say yes to it. Yeah, the worst I can do is fail, right? The worst I can do is not figure it out. And that right there, just saying yes to everything opens up so many more opportunities and doors than people realize. Just saying yes to a little tiny thing can change your life drastically. Having a positive outlook that, you know, again, the worst that can happen is you fail and you find something else to do. It's not the end of the world. And I think so many of us get wrapped around our injury or our situation or our relationships and and we do some pretty permanent, stupid stuff to ourselves, unfortunately. Or the fear of failure. Yeah. yeah. That that drives a lot of people, too, is they don't even put themselselves in a position to fail because right. they're worried about the perception of failure you, in their you life. You can't fail if you don't step up to the plate, right? Yeah. As yeah. logic, right? But you can't make it if you don't try. Yeah. You also, you also right. will never be anything more than you are today if you don't take a step outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. And you got you to do that. I mean, and that's what we say in the military, though, right? Just... Be comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah. true. So you, you learned all of these kind of interesting routes 
Mm-hmm. We're going in a direction you thought your ne- life was never going to take. So what, what was the point where you kind of went into the mortgage and real estate game? Oh, man, well, if, oddly oh. enough, I, when I left USA after four years, I, I got into the nonprofit world, mm-hmm. helping veterans like myself who were coming through the medevac, you know, coming across that s- slab, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at, at BAMC. And, and so many of the folks that I encountered had so little knowledge of their finances. We were spending a lot of time uh, triaging and, and case managing, you know, financial problems. Yeah. Um, so the the organization I was working with developed some financial training programs and a lot of stuff out of what we were encountering to take that load off us so we could do the engagement stuff. We could do the, the cool guy, you know, events and fun stuff to get people together. Yeah. Um, but it, it always struck me how, how ill-informed I was when I bought my home two months before I was medically retired and got walked out of or walked through what I thought was a VA process and ended up being an FHA product. I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. you know, um, didn't, didn't have the clue what, you know, how, how different could it be? Wildly Very different, different, but I yeah. didn't know. So when, when the opportunity came about two years ago, yesterday, the third was, right, today's fourth? Maybe. Yeah, sure. As far yes. as you know, it is. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, was my two-year anniversary <laughs> with Align Mortgage. Um, awesome. But, um, you know, they had been helping me do these financial education programs, completely unbranded, completely uh, free of charge, and, and doing these classes on what the VA home loan benefit is. Not, not a mortgage, what the benefit says. What, is yeah. the, what do the guidelines say? Yeah. Because if you encounter a lender or a situation where you're told one thing or another— refer to the guideline. Mm. It's just like a barracks lawyer telling you something about <laughs> your, your, ben- your, your medical benefits, right? If, if it's not in the VA guidelines, it, it isn't so. Yes. And so much of, of what lenders put out there and what people understand is rumor, innuendo, somebody's experience with a, a lender or, or their friend who's a realtor and, and it's all garbage. You know? yeah, yeah. 99% of it's complete. So, so what are some of the... Stuff. Yeah, what are some of the common misconceptions yeah. or assumptions that you see people going in that you're like, wait a minute, where did you get that? Or right, right, flat right. Out lies. Yeah, yeah or well, a lie. Well, yeah. certainly the first thing anybody thinks about when trying to qualify for a, a loan of any kind is, oh, what's my credit score? What's how does that affect my ability to acquire or even qualify for a loan? Um, and very often, someone will will you know go online to a, a lender and do one of the little online la- apps, and it'll say, hey, you don't qualify based on your credit score. Mm-hmm. And so I asked them, I said, do you know what the minimum credit score is for a VA home loan? Well, it's 640, right? Or you know, I was told it was 620. There isn't one. <laughs> there absolutely isn't one. The VA does not outline or have anywhere in their guidelines a number. Hmm. It's up to the lender to decide their comfort level. Yeah. So, it's, so what you're seeing is the lender and the VA side of things, there is a... a a misconnect there. Discon- yeah, a lot Disconnect. of people don't understand what the VA loan even means. Oh, the, the VA's approving my loan. No, there is an approval process that your loan must meet to be able to be backed by the VA. Mm-hmm. But the VA is basically saying, all right, uh, Mr. Lender, if they meet all of the guidelines, then we will back that loan with 25%. So if you've got a $100,000 loan and you default on it, the VA is going to pay that lender 25% or 25 grand. Mm. And you can do the math on the rest. I don't do math in public. Um, <laughs> so if you default on that loan, that lender is making out like a bandit because they're going to turn around and put that house back on the market and sell it again. And they just got 25 grand or 25% of whatever it is. Yeah. And they just sell it over and over. But 
thing is, you know what the, the default rate is for veterans on VA home loans? I imagine pretty low. It's like 2%. It's ridiculously low. Mm. So VA home loan rates tend to be lower than your conventional and your FHA to begin with because they are such a good risk. Yeah. And the guidelines are so, uh, as far as being a, a, a veteran, you can get into a VA loan a lot easier than you think if you find a lender that isn't putting a bunch of overlays on top of it. You know, obviously they're running a business. They have to protect yeah. themselves. Yeah. So they're adding. They're adding caveats. They're adding, uh, you'll, you'll hear the term debt to income. Oh, your debt to income is too high. Mm. Well, maybe, um, but the VA loan is not a debt to income loan. It's a residual income loan. Mm. So when I run your credit and I find all your minimum payments, I add those up. I juxtapose that to your income. If the VA says a single man living in this area of the country must have $400 left at the end of the month, well, that's all you have to have left. Yeah. Okay. You know, you might be a manual underwrite, meaning we're going to have to gather a bunch of extra information. Yeah. But debt to income isn't necessarily a go, no go situation hmm. unless the lender makes it one. So, how do you go about finding a lender who is going to abide by the VA rules, not lie to you, <laughs> or yeah. not, not misconstrue things? Read the VA guidelines 26 7. Mm hmm. Be familiar with it. It's a lot to read. Okay. But, you know, you've, you've got to, you know, you wouldn't go in to any other lifelong decision necessarily. Maybe some of us would. A 30-year commitment. Yeah. A 30-year uh, commitment. Yeah. With the, one of the largest purchases you'll ever make. And, and do that off, with just because some lending guy that you called on the phone or internet says, let's hey, be, do this, do that. Yeah, let's be honest, though. Give me a ballpark range of how many people go into that situation without fully understanding or fully reading. Well, at least 50% of our audience has gotten married after like six weeks, so. I yeah. Mean, In the military, <laughs> yeah. you gotta realize. <laughs> gotta remember. I, our, you know who I'm talking to. Yeah, know your audience. This applies so, to you. Yeah. So don't feel bad if you did this, you know. Obviously, <laughs> I did. Everybody does yeah. it. Yeah. Let's say like 90%. So, yeah. I, so we'll keep that number. I would same. say probably out of every 10 people that I encounter, 0.5 have actually looked into it. <laughs> Um, you know, so it's, it's pretty slim, awesome. um, but you, you just have to kind of be aware of these things. You know, what is the minimum credit score? What, what, uh, are you going to factor in debt to income versus residual? It, it, it is a residual income is the qualifier for the VA mm -hmm. in order for the VA to back the loan. You've got to meet all these guidelines and, and the underwriter is going to look at those factors and the factors that the lender lays over it. Mm. Um, one thing you want to ask is what are you going to charge me to do this loan? Everybody, you know. Everybody's got to make a uh, something yeah, on you, it, right? You there, make there's a dollar. Yeah. several um, several people or entities involved with a home purchase. You've got, of course, your your agent, not necessarily all the time, but you certainly want one if uh, a reputable agent because the seller is going to have an agent. Mm -hmm. They're going to be looking out for the best interest of the the seller, yeah. right? And they can put stipulations in the contract that if you don't understand what they are, and oops, you don't, you didn't make the the contract, uh, you know. Now you're going to, you got to give us your earnest money and we're going to turn around and sell the house to somebody else. So you got to understand oh, what wow. those things are. Yeah. You, you, earnest money. Earnest money. So yeah, a, a, a VA loan is not a no, it is a no down payment loan in most cases, mm -hmm. but it isn't always. Yes. Um, and, and what a lot of people think is, oh, no down payment, meaning I got no money out of, out of pocket, right? Or I know a buddy that closed on a home, he didn't pay anything at closing. Mm -hmm. They're... There there's are inspections. There's I mean, exactly well, and and you can get a seller credit. A seller can give you back part of their profit. Yeah. Towards all of these third party items like the appraisal, the pest inspection, mm -hmm. the the title insurance, the you know the notary, all these things that can come into play. 
But in certain markets like we've experienced lately, people are less and less likely to do that for you. Yeah. So yeah. somebody that, you know, closed on a home a year and a half ago or even less goes, hey, man, I didn't pay anything at closing. How come I'm paying something now? Well, the market is different now. Yeah. Sellers are like, why should I give you six grand towards closing when I got people coming from out of state that want to give me 10, 20, 30 over yeah. asking and they're throwing cash at me. Why yeah. should I help you? Um, so there are, you know, there are reasons why that could happen. But more often than not, what I find is the lender that they they worked with charged them such a high interest rate that there was a credit involved with that interest rate. Mm-hmm. And, and what people don't understand is when when you as a lender are locking in or looking at the pricing for given rates for that borrower, mm-hmm. you lock them in for all the prices on all the rates for that day. Oh, which includes everything. Yeah. yeah. Everything so else. I, I, okay. this is why I tell my, my, my clients is let's just say for argument's sake, you, your, your par rate, you know, golf term, right? Par is where you end up your, your rate where you pay very uh, little or nothing or have a, a small credit. Yeah. Usually a small credit, a couple hundred can be several thousand. It all depends on, Individual situations. So yes. depending on your situation, you could get a different result with a different lender. Okay. So don't don't think that, you know, one lender's explanation is par for the course. You know, yeah. it does, yeah. doesn't mean it's going to be the same elsewhere. So when they lock you in, um, and it can be changed throughout the process, you can, you can, you can buy down your rate mm-hmm. and each rate going down the chart has a cost associated with it. Each rate going up the chart has a credit associated with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you could have had a lender. I've seen this happen where the lender, oh, look, we're going to give you this rate and, and your cost, your cash to close is nothing. Well, because they just took $3,000 out of you. Yeah, they screw you on, so they screw the, you on the rate. Yeah. And then you're paying tens of, literally tens of thousands over 30 years, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to have that rate. But for some people, that's what they want. Yeah. They want to get in the house with as little out of pocket. So you got to have that conversation. Some lenders... Uh, unfortunately, and won't the best person to tell talk you to for this mm-hmm. is establishing that you get an agent in. It, well, as far as the negotiation on the contract for the home, you, okay. you don't you don't want to end up. I mean, if the agent is signing onto a VA loan, they have to understand. Yeah, there's an appraisal process that comes into play that you don't have an option to get out of on a like you do on a conventional where they can say as is. Well, I'll just take the house as it is. The VA says yeah. it's got to meet these things. Yeah, it has to meet. But you do you criteria. do want to get a hold of a loan officer and and have some of these questions in mind. So that that was my question yeah. is this all seems like a lot of information and I know that there's probably people out there that are living and breathing this situation yeah. right now of like it's time to buy a house. And and if I was to watch this podcast at first, I'd be like, oh man, that's a lot. I feel worried. I feel Drinking scared. from the fire hose, as yeah. so, say. So let's go over yeah. with our last few minutes here. Yeah. Who are the people you need in your back pocket to be as successful as possible to secure these loans to the best of their ability? Right, right. You want a lender that's going to take the time to educate you. So a lender, and we established, and I might have interrupted you earlier, how do we find the lender? Right. I mean, you you know, Certainly, I would uh, uh, hope that they would look at Align Mortgage, um, <laughs> but you, you want to have a conversation with your lender about, do you charge origination? And you definitely want to shop that loan. I tell all my borrowers, I, my goal is to get you in a home. I know where I was 16 years ago, and I got walked through the ringer. Yeah. And I don't care if another lender gives you a, a better deal, do it in an informed fashion. You know, mm-hmm. make your decisions as an informed consumer. Yeah. So find a lender that's willing to talk with you about these things who doesn't just brush you off and act like it's going to go over your head. Yeah. And so many of the people that I encounter, they the reason they go with me versus the the, the builder's lender or whoever else 
is because they're like, wow, nobody told me that. Nobody told me about how the rate chart, you know, the 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 fees work. Yeah. You yeah. know, nobody told me I, that they don't have to charge me those fees. And, you know, to that point, if a lender is not is going to charge you the fees until I challenge them, do you really want to do business with somebody who was going to ding you for several thousand dollars until somebody else came along and said, hey, by the way, we don't do that. Yeah, nobody. You know, so find a lender that A, isn't going to charge that. A, uh, B, is going to, um, you know, have those frank discussions with you. Um, and who's willing to work with you, not just turn you away if you don't meet their their minimum thresholds. You know, there, mm-hmm. there are things that can be done and there are people out there to help us. Uh, it's, some of them cost money. Some of them aren't cheap. They're not yeah. free. Um, but we, if, if we in don't- In the long run. Yeah, in the long run. It saves you money. It saves yeah. you money. Yeah, because- And heartache. Yeah. yeah. And heartache. Yeah. yeah. You, you, don't, you don't want to get into a situation where you, you go into contract unapproved, you know, and I've seen people do this. They'll-, they'll Going to con- how their how their agent allowed them to do that without having a pre-approval or a legit pre-approval. Yeah, lenders will do what they call a qualification based on what you tell them. Okay, but until they have your pay stub, your W twos, and your full like your bank statements, it's just pie in the sky. Mm. And some of the rather well-known lenders out there will pass out these qualifications, and they'll go into contract, and it turns out, oh yeah, you don't actually meet the requirements of the loan. Um, and therefore you're going to lose your earnest money that you just put mm-hmm. down. And that can be, you know, traditionally it's 1% of the loan amount. So if you're a half million dollar house, five G's just flew out the door, Damn. you know, because you couldn't qualify and you didn't meet the terms of the contract. Yeah. So certainly, yeah. Find someone who's willing to, to have those discussions with you and not blow you off. So yeah. a lender, a good real estate agent. Yeah. Those are loan officer. Loan, yeah. The loan, the lender slash loan officer, pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, there are, you know, some of the rather... Uh, they market heavily to the military. Sure. Doesn't necessarily mean that the product that they're putting you in is VA. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so be aware of that. They, they'll have different language for it. If they're not asking you about your certificate of eligibility, that's the other thing. If they ask you to get your certificate of eligibility from the VA, mm-hmm. I would recommend you turn around and walk away. Because if they can't do it, then they don't know what they're doing. Okay. Okay. Every, that's every a good, good piece of advice. A good litmus and, test yeah. for them then? Good litmus test, that okay. and, the, and the lender fees. Do you charge lender fees? Origination fees is what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be confused with origination points, which have to do with the rate, but origination fees and the certificate of eligibility, that would be a good starting point. Okay. Do you charge them? Can you get my COE or certificate of eligibility? And then see what they say. Yeah, and that's just yeah. available in the VA portal for people who don't know. You can hop on the VA portal and yes. download that real quick. Yeah, and, and as it's a lender, you should have access to your own version of the portal where you can up. You know, you put in a social and a, a year of birth, and it'll spit it out or allow you to go through the process of applying for one for somebody. Perfect. Yeah. And that's how it should be anyway to double yeah. check it. So, yeah. so tell us, you're the loan officer. Mm-hmm. Where you work and and. How to reach you? And- yeah, uh, Aligned Mortgage. Uh, Aligned Mortgage of Texas uh, is where our headquarters is here in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, we're right off of Days of All and I-10. Um, but we have branches all over the country, Hawaii, San Diego, Missouri, Nevada. Um, we're in 20, golly, don't catch me lying here. I think it's 24 or 27 states. Awesome. I'm, I'm licensed in 11 of those. Perfect. Um, and if we are not, then our parent company is. Um, like I said, we don't charge those fees as a matter of business, mm-hmm. um, but the parent company is not obligated to do that, but we work with them and we get those waived and we cover those for you. So if oh, you're okay. in a state that we don't cover, for whatever reason, we'll make sure you don't pay those, those fees. That's incredible. Yeah. And you yes. guys take, even your parent company takes care of veterans all the same? But well, again, when they come through us and we, okay. and, and we take care of it, it, you know, it's one of those things, uh, you know, every mortgage company has got to 
find its way of doing business and yeah, and and of course. if if they come to them for everything's relationship built mm, yeah you know and where where did the lead you know and it's an unfortunate uh, label to put on us but a, a lead is somebody who's is showing interest right yeah. mm-hmm. as a lead if we present that lead to, to the the parent company we're going to make sure they get taken care of so okay. Uh, certainly, again, ask those questions. Yeah, yeah. And if they don't direct you back over to us, well, you know, look up this podcast and look up Align Mortgage. <laughs> That's yeah. that is incredible. So, for all of you who are looking to buy a home, this is the guy to reach out to yeah. to be able to answer some of your questions. It has been awesome having you on the show. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Powers. Right. Uh, danger, danger, powers. Danger, powers. <laughs> You're phenomenal, and uh, I really you. appreciate the information. No, you guys I are think great. It's going to help a I, lot of I people. I appreciate the, the opportunity because so, you know, if not, you know, the mortgage information aside, um, so many of the veterans that I came across over the eight plus years in the nonprofit realm, just you know, they don't get to see the other side. You know, we, we isolate ourselves. We go home wherever home is. Mm-hmm. We we do these things to ourselves sometimes. Yeah. And it, it's not it's not the end of the world, man. There's so much more out there for us, and so many people willing to support us. Don't don't cut yourself short. Don't uh, don't sell yourself short. Incredible, yeah. great words. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. Andrew, you're an awesome guy. I'm really happy to uh, have we you love on the you. show. Uh, yeah. Well, that's all that matters. <laughs> no, I, I mean seriously. Yeah, you, you're doing great things for Thank veterans. You. You're still giving back, even after you know a couple years of service yeah. a long yeah. time ago. Just but. You. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. This has been the Medivac Podcast, everybody. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. See you guys. Bye. Bye.